So we're looking forward to 2018. I want to encourage you to look forward to tonight's Watch Night service with our senior leader, whether you can be here, whether you can join us online. He's going to be ministering very strongly. And as we heard a little bit earlier, over there, can you see the promised land? It's going to be a great time in 2018. Because as you've been hearing, Colin and, and other prophets and leaders within this house and right across the church in, in the UK are announcing a major shift in the things of the Spirit, a new season of activation of people who are called to operate in the kingdom of God, to bring in the kingdom of God over the coming decades. And I believe that God is calling us to a greater revelation of what it is to be children of God. We are each adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he has a position and an appointment for each one of us in, a perp- in, in his plan for the kingdom of God here in the UK. As Chris was saying earlier, we're both stepping over the threshold here today, but also looking forward to what God is going to do. Uh, In the Vision Week, in just one week's time on the 8th of January and right throughout that week, we are calling the church to a time of prayer, of intercession, of preparing our hearts to be part of this radical and deep move of God. And also I want to encourage you, some of you, lastminute.com is Bible College starting just a week away, 8th of January. If you don't know, I lead the Bible College here in KT and love to invite you to six months or a year with God. I want to start with a short testimony to encourage us as we set ourselves up for today. Just about three months ago, one of my cell members came to me. He was distraught. He'd just been uh, given terrible news in a doctor's appointment. His wife, who already has rheumatoid arthritis, had gone for some blood tests. In the blood test, they found a high level of paraproteins, which is an indicator of blood cancer. And they were panicking. He had been told she has three to six months to live. He didn't have any way of handling or processing that kind of information. And he simply sat there in the cell group. And we said to him, you know what? We're going to start praying from today. In November, she went for a bone marrow uh, biopsy to remove some of the bone marrow. That's the location where the cancer would have been had it been there. 21st of December, she goes back for the review. Not only is the no cancer, but also the paraprotein levels have dropped from what they were 9% down to 6% in just that two months of prayer. We give, give God glory. As you might be saying, you know what, these situations that I'm facing are impossible. He was thinking, I'm going to lose my wife. Now, all they have to do is go for a blood check every three months instead of losing his wife within three months. A total transformation, and that's what God can do. In the beginning of my message with you today, I want to share with you a simple thought. Jesus is working. Let 2018 be a year where you understand that not only is Jesus working, but he calls us to work with him. My passage today is going to be John chapter 5, verse 1 through 17, the man healed by the pool of Bethesda. I want to give you a brief context. This story, this narrative follows on immediately after the narrative of the Samaritan woman. Remember that Jesus meets this woman at the well and he offers her living water. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. For everyone who drinks of this water will never thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I uh, will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's always really important whenever we're reading scripture to take the entire context 
of what we are reading so we can extract the greatest riches. Don't be somebody that simply jumps from verse to verse, but follow a plan where you follow the narrative, the story of what God is revealing through each one of his holy words. This context of living water is very important for our present story now in John chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, some of you might have this additional verse in your passage. Let me read it for you. Waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. And one man who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going down, another steps before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. In this great story, we see that Jesus came to remind a man who had been 38 years on the bench, 38 years lying, hoping for a better life, to remind him and invite him to a greater truth, that his life has purpose in the kingdom of God. It's not just a promise, it's something that he experienced. And I want to invite us to put ourselves in this situation to begin to think about the the context that this man was facing, the issues that were going on in his heart and his mind, and perhaps there might be some things that resonate with you where you're at today. And we're going to begin by looking at the location of Bethesda. We've got an image for for you on the screen. Now, this image is a construction that is uh, in the Israel Museum. It's a a to-scale reproduction of Jerusalem, 1 to 50 outdoor model. And it pictures Jerusalem in 66 AD. And here we have the image of Bethesda, the house of grace or the house of mercy. That's what the name means, but it could also be taken in the opposite way as well, the house of shame or the house of no mercy. And you see, looking at it, the five porticos. I don't know if ever you've taken the time to consider what these five porticos are, but write down the two long sides, two, the two shorter sides on the outside, and then the fifth one in the middle. Five roofed colonnades or five porticos. What these are are stretches of columns equal distance apart with a roof over the top. 
a place to provide shade around this special water. And what's believed is that the water here was supernatural, not just a place where you'd go and refresh yourself by having a drink, but it was a place where healing would occur. And so the Jewish community had built this fantastically complex, really, um, sorry, they took that image off for you, uh, fantastically complex bar structure. Why? Because this was a place that offered something different. Right around Jerusalem, there were lots of places where you could go for ritual cleansing as part of your Jewishness, as part of your worship to God. But here, we found that there was the location of a cleansing place, but also a healing place. And I can't help but wonder, looking at something like that construction, whether this was intended to be a exclusive, wealthy type of environment, a, a place, a spa, where the wealthy could get in and, and get made well. And it had been kept separate. The, the water wasn't freely available for everyone to come and step in. It was kept separate. Why? Because only the first person to step down in the water could be healed. And yet we see by the time Jesus attends the pool of Bethesda that something has changed. This is no longer an exclusive environment. This has become a place where everybody is, the blind, the lame, the sick, are all filling up every single one of these roofed colonnades, expecting that they will be the next person to be healed. How did this happen? Maybe the wealthy had committed themselves entirely to hoping for healing at this location. Maybe the riches that they had accumulated began to dwindle down. They found themselves united with humanity at a common level, physical health. And they could no longer separate themselves and distinguish themselves with their money as their wealth was whittled away. These few individuals getting healed, but the majority of them left broken. And so when the money runs up, the security runs out. And people start to come in and set up their camp, hoping to be the next person to jump down into the water and to get healed. This endless battle of people seeking after their healing. And yet the water's unpredictable. Around these waters had developed this story of an angel that comes to stir the waters. It's not a set time, it's not a set day, it's not a specific season. It happens moment to moment, supernaturally, so they believed. And in this location, there was this expectancy. But there was also only limited opportunity. Only one person could get healed in a particular stirring of the water incident. Before we go any further, I want to reflect, are there any Bethesdas for us today? Maybe you spent some time shopping over Christmas. Maybe you ventured into one of the two Westfields that are here in London, and there's going to be another two. God help us. <laughs> but these are places intended for great wealth. And yet if you went and sat down and looked, and if you counted the different people that were sitting around in that place, it's full of the sick, full of people that are in wheelchairs, full of people that are on walking sticks, full of people that have brokenness in their body. And it's full of people that have brokenness of heart, disturbed minds. What a great field for evangelism. What would Jesus do if he turned up in Westfield? Would he go looking for one man like he did here at the pool of Bethesda? 
Now, you might say, Gabriel, why are we looking at such a thing today, New Year's Eve? We're looking forward to the exciting 2018 time. Shouldn't you be telling us about our uh, New Year's resolutions and our uh, commitment to diets? I bless the Lord for the arrival of my son because it meant that I didn't have Christmas dinner. I'm one step ahead of the rest of you on the, on the diet, dieting uh, track. But when we look forward to 2018, I do want to challenge you to think about this. Will you become a tool or a weapon in the hand of God for what he wants to do in 2018? Because this man is a metaphor for the one who tried to gain the whole world and in exchange lost himself. Luke 9 verse 23, it says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would lose his life Uh, would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself this man had built his entire life around his desire to be healthy whole to live a certain quality of life but it seems that it was separate from the agenda of Jesus's kingdom, what God wanted to do. You may not be physically sick here today, but there are certain parallels when we consider this, that all of us believe that on some level we're missing something unless the kingdom of God is in first place in our life. We may think, if I just had this, on your Christmas list was it the, if I just had this, I would be happy. If I just had that opportunity, my life would be satisfied. If I got my promotion, if I got my fancy car, if I got my holiday, if I got my job opportunity, if I just had this, everything would be all right. Now, the consequence for this man, if I just had my health, he'd become paralyzed in his opportunity to love, blind to the other needs around him. He's not thinking, oh my God, I'm so glad that that person got healed. He's thinking, oh my God, that person got down in front of me because I didn't have anyone to help me. He had become lame in the work of the Lord for his life. The Bible encourages us to seek first the kingdom of God, not to seek first a good and whole life. What would your life look like in 2018 if you were to seek first the kingdom of God? Don't miss your moment next year. Next year, exciting things are going to happen. You might say, I've just bought a house. I've just had a child. I've just bought some land. There's so many reasons why I need to focus on other things. And yet I believe that the challenge is for all of us that this is a year to truly seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to look at three perspectives. The man healed, the man suffering, the person of Christ. I'm sure each one of those will have something to speak to our hearts where we are right now. Let's begin briefly with Jesus. We'll come back to him. There's a great image that shows Jesus coming to this pool to seek after this man. I love that Jesus shows up in the middle of a feast. Equivalent today is Jesus showing up in the middle of Christmas time. Jesus showing up at a time when we all gather with family friends for our roast turkey and all the trimmings or roast beef, as I would have loved to have. Still dreaming about it. Or maybe you had jollof rice. I hope it was really spicy, really spicy jollof rice because that's what you've got to do when it comes Christmas time, right? But Jesus took the time at a time of gathering, at a time of family, at a time of reunion. He took time to go find somebody who had nobody. 
He took time to find somebody who could go nowhere, who was broken, who was unable to better himself. I wonder if there is someone that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about, even in this brief holiday season, there's still seven days of Christmas to go until we hit Twelfth Night. And so there's plenty of opportunity. But he goes to seek out a particular man. 38 years. 38 years. I haven't even been alive for 38 years. I think about the incredible duration that this man has struggled. 38 years. Sacrificed to the pursuit of health. And yet when Jesus shows up, when revival shows up, when life himself shows up, those situations that are entirely decrepit from our own human understanding are immediately turned around simply with one question and one word. Do you want to be made well? Get up and take your bed and walk. And I believe that today and right throughout the coming year, we are going to increasingly announce the healing of God, the transformation of God, the miracle working power of God in your life, for your life, but also for the people's lives that you are called to minister to in the name of Jesus. Now let's imagine this man. Image would, can you leave the image up for just a little bit, Michelle, please? Imagine his situation. Look at him here, his beard, he's gotten emaciated from sitting by the pool for 38 years. Imagine his original state. A young, vibrant man who awakes one day, one morning, and suddenly something is happening in his body that he knows is different. The strength that he had experienced as a young man is not there. Perhaps he fell over. Perhaps he couldn't grab hold of something that he would normally have grabbed hold of. Maybe he had sinned in some heinous way that brought this judgment upon his life. Jesus does later say, sin no more. And he did what everyone I've ever known does. And it does make sense to do. He asks the question, how can I be healed? How can I be made whole? And so he goes away and does his research. He hears this fantastic story of a pool called Bethesda, an angel that comes down from time to time and stirs the water. He decides to go down and check it out. As he walks up, there is a great buzz amongst the crowd. The latest healing has just happened. The latest blind person has just been healed. And they're all excited. They're thinking, when is the next stirring going to happen? This is amazing. And he sees a spot. And he goes and takes his seat. If this image of a man searching for answers resonates with you and where you are at right now, can I please offer you a word of caution? Be careful where you go to do your research. You can go on the internet and find a thousand different solutions to any particular problem. You can go to your friends. You can go be walking down the street and promise you healing as long as you come to their particular location and do a free massage and you feel good for a day. And then the next day, they tell you you need to pay £100,000 to keep feeling that good. You need to be really careful where you do your research. Because you can get stuck in a whole world of truth. Much of the Christian church focuses on deliverance and demons to the exclusion of the person of Jesus Christ. Cults focus on how they can get your money and get you to live the way that they would want you to live with a healing facade. 
and yet the substance of what they offer is not real. You could end up like the lady that is with the issue of blood. 12 years she'd been giving her money to doctors without any solution. Be careful where you seek and do your research. But where did he start going wrong? Is it wrong to want to be made whole? Of course not. It makes sense. We want to be whole because we want to be able to do what God has given us to do. But where he seems to have started to go wrong is he spared no expense for the search for his health. He committed himself totally. Have you ever been on holiday where, you know, there's those deck chairs by the pool and then you come one day and suddenly all of the chairs were reserved and you don't have a seat by the pool? Any of you remember that? It's called the German tourist. They get out there at 4 a.m., they set the towel out, they go back to bed, have a great lie-in. You're out at 8 a.m. thinking you can get your seat too late. They were there at 4 o'clock. But he gets here, he finds his spot, he goes and he sits down, he lies down, he takes his space. And he thinks, you know what, I'm not too bad right now. I, you know, I only had some, a minor infirmity. I'll be able to, look at all these other people. They're all old, they're blind, they can't see where they're going, they can't walk, it's all okay. I'm a young guy, I'm going to be able to make it. Do you think for one instance he dreamed? 38 years later, still hoping for his health. This is an important question. And I need to ask it sensitively. I, I'm conscious that a lot of people will be struggling with some sort of health concern today. Is his healing all that his life was supposed to be about? We can also ask this about different areas of our life. Is your career, is your pursuit of money, the savings account for the future, the new child, the new spouse, your house, is that all your life is to be about? Perhaps you might say today, I cannot flourish in what I'm supposed to be about until that person changes. I cannot flourish in the call of God on my life until that situation changes. This is where we start to see our parallels. We might not be the man lying by the pool for 38 years, but we might have made many, many excuses about following the call of God. And the metaphor plays out when we seek first our own agenda, our own life, we lose it. But when we lay down our life for his sake, we find it. And I wonder how his life might have progressed if he had spent those 38 years doing something else. But not only did he stop everything that he was doing in pursuit of his healing, but he stopped sowing into all the other major areas of his life so he could focus in this direction. He couldn't leave his spot. Imagine if he left his spot and someone jumped in the water before him. He was committed to staying there, but that meant that his work, his purpose for living, his family, his friends, his walk with God was all centered around evangelism, centered around his healing. But imagine what his evangelism would have been like, you know what, I can only preach God to you if I get healed. No, 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 we can preach God if we are sick or if we're well. We can preach God and his gospel if we are rich or if we're poor. We can preach God and his gospel if we're single or married, with kids, divorced, widowed, wherever we are. We can preach the gospel because the gospel doesn't depend on our circumstance. The gospel depends on who God is and what Jesus has done on the cross for us. You see, the compromise began to pervade his whole life, 38 years. 
robbed of his health, robbed of his peace, robbed of his own environment, robbed of his ability to work. And Jesus comes and finds him, physically emaciated. He knows he's been there for a long time. He says, I tried to get down myself. There's still some fight in him. He would do his best, but he was locked in a weakened body. He also believed that this was other people's fault. I don't have anybody. Look at these wealthy people. They have a friend to help them. I don't have anybody. But Jesus had turned up. But Jesus had come to find him. Jesus had come to set him free. And in this context, we find Christ restoring a man to his wonderful created purpose in God. And we suddenly see a man transformed. This is the second kind of man. The first man, the man suffering in his circumstances, situation. The second man healed and restored to purpose. And I wonder, are any of these seeds that we can start to sow today for 2018, whatever our circumstance is, be you strong or weak, be you um, overcome by a circumstance, praying something through, God is calling us to start to sow in the right direction. What happens with this man? It says in the New Living Translation of the passage I read, verse 9 and 10, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The Lord doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Now, what's so wonderful about this is that Jesus could have said, you're healed, get up and go about your business. But instead, Jesus heals him and says, take up your bed and go walking. Suddenly, this man is working. Now, I'm not talking about your nine to five. I'm not talking about the, the, what, the, the daily job that you have. I'm talking about the life purpose that you have. And Jesus aligned himself, uh, this man aligned himself to Jesus' life purpose for him in that moment. Take up your bed and walk. The guy's probably walking along thinking, why am I carrying this bed? I don't need it. I'm, I'm free. I'm walking. And also the laws, the Sabbath and so on. Why am I carrying this bed? I don't need it. The bed was the testimony. The carrying was the testimony. Whatever you are called to do in your life is an opportunity for you to be a testimony. We so often say, you know what, God, until... We self-disqualify. We say, until I'm well, until I'm strong, until I've learned enough of the Bible, until I've saved enough in the bank, until I've worked hard enough to make my next step in my career, once I've done that, then I will do the bit that you've called me to do, Jesus. But Jesus took authority over the circumstance. He commanded him to work, but in the work of the Lord, his God-given purpose. And suddenly that which was sin to others, was no longer sin before the Lord. This working on the Sabbath was an opportunity for this man to be obedient to the call of God upon his life. Jesus was concerned about the opportunity for him, the opportunity to live. I don't know where you find yourself today. There are many reasons why you might disqualify yourself from the walk of God and the work of God, but he's concerned about the opportunity that he wants to give you, not the reasons why you shouldn't be doing what he's called you to do. He's restored to his creative purpose. Second, he's restored to worship. Note, Jesus finds him in the temple, a place where he was previously excluded. He's there now, and he's worshiping. In 2018, let me encourage you, make room for God in the core of your daily life plan. Some of you plan like this. I'm at work from 9 till 6, so let me stay another two hours, 9 till 8, to you know, try and impress the bosses. 
or whatever it might be. You might just be a sticker for your hours. Bless you. But that's that. And then I need to put my family time. And then I need to have my sleep time. And of course, I need to watch movies and hang out and relax and spend time with friends. And so God, you know what? If you get me up at six o'clock, then I'll pray for an hour. But if I wake up by seven, whoops. That's putting God in the margin of your life. That's God putting God at the edge and putting everything else core, squeezing God out when you run out of or have too much core going on in your life. He went to the temple after 38 years to worship. And he was restored to relationship. Previously, he was excluded. Now he finds himself part of the community, a place where he can build relationship, a place where he can take his place. So often when people find themselves either sick or not where they believe they should be in life, you know what they do? They withdraw from others. I don't want to be a burden. And their expectations are too much for me. And their needs are too much for me. I'm sick. I can't deal with them. I've got so much responsibility. I can't worry about them. And we say, when I've made it, when I am on top, then... I'm going to be the returning prodigal. I'm going to come and parade the testimony of God everywhere. No, God calls us to connect and relate today. 38 years this man was wasted in his relationships because he was in a pool rather than living the purpose of God for his life. So we're called to a life of purpose, a life of worship, a life of relationship. But finally, I want to just talk to the person of Christ. You might feel a great distance between your situation right now and Jesus' purpose for your life. You might say, there are so many walls or hurdles for me to get past. And we believe that as we start to pray for you, immediate healings are going to happen, but also process healings are going to happen. I'll just share a short testimony. A number of years ago, we'd been going to Mauritius regularly to minister there, and I'd made some friends, led a couple of them to the Lord. But one guy, he suddenly got struck down with a serious illness where of the, I believe it's eight to 10 feet of intestine that every one of us carries, he had had nine removed. They only left him with one foot of his intestine because his intestine started to crumble. Went to visit him in the hospital, not a lovely hospital like here where he'd probably have been in an ICU and isolation ward to protect against infection. We're talking a hospital with no walls, 50 other beds around him and a drip. That was it. No beep beep machine, no you know, nurse to come and check him out, just this guy wasting away. We just saw this word over his head, miracle. We prayed for him. A year and a half later, that guy went back to being a scuba diving instructor. Amazing. Now, I'll show you photos of him one day. But that was a process. It took a year and a half, but he went from death's door to giving God glory. He's a Christian today. I find it really interesting that Jesus says this, my father is working and I am working. What does that mean? This is the Sabbath day, a day of rest. See, the Lord is working in the place where we are called to rest. Perhaps you feel the present unrest of your situation. Perhaps you're saying, I can't see it. I can't understand what you're doing, God. I'm going through such a turmoil. But Jesus is working and he's calling you to the place of rest. He's calling you to the place where you start to enjoy his grace. He's calling you to the place where sickness can be turned to health, where the impossible can be turned to possible. He's calling you to the place where the still waters are replaced with the river of living waters. 
This is what happened with this man. This man was sat by a still water place and the man who carries the rivers of living water came and pulled him up out of his seat and called him to a life of purpose in him. Jesus is working. Jesus is working for you. You might not feel him, you might not know it, but God's plan and purpose is for you to step into what he is calling you to do. And this is an invitation I want to challenge each of us to in 2018. Jesus said, my father is working and so I work. Let it be said that my Lord is working and I am working with him, of each of you. Look at what Jesus did. He walked into a place where there was a multitude of sick and he pulled one person up. You might be a healthcare professional today. Let me say this to you, you're doubly dangerous because you are naturally gifted to be able to help people with your skills to restore them in whatever capacity you are operating in, be you a nurse, a doctor, a surgeon, consultant, registrar, and so on. You're doubly dangerous because you've got that set of gifts, but you've also got the Holy Spirit operating on the inside of you. If one doesn't work, you've got the other. But we're called to be effective. See, what Jesus inspires us to, and what I want to encourage you to think about in 2018, is to be a courageous leader to be somebody that will step into the impossible situations and believe God for change. Leadership isn't about a position, it's about an attitude. And that attitude is what we were talking about earlier, the match lit in our hearts, a fire burning in our hearts for the glory of God. Go to the unusual places, go to the places where you believe no one else would go and start to see people healed. Might be a family member to start with, might be someone that you know who's bound up in their home, but start to take risk for God, start to believe God for what he's calling you to do. Let me just say, let nothing be an excuse for you, especially you men. I'm working hard all day, I'm exhausted when I go home. Let let me just tell you this story. I love talking about uh, what, what God is doing in my wife. Eight months pregnant, 11 hours working in the city, high pressure job, manager of 15 people, leaves there, goes to the reveal lounge, arrives there 7.30, preaching the gospel, eight o'clock, three people saved. Eight months pregnant. I was embarrassed. Sometimes I go home like, I'm tired, sweetheart, I need to, she's just like, (laughs) work of God, man, work of God. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. The time is now to be doing the work of the Lord. Whether you're exhausted, whether you feel like you've got no opportunities, make opportunities for God to work through your life. Who can engage? Anybody. Don't wait until you're healed or not healed to be a preacher of the gospel. Preach the gospel because God doesn't change whatever your circumstance is. Preach the gospel because in preaching you might well get healed yourself. Preach the gospel because in sharing testimonies, you might see provision come into your own life. But believe God that he is going to operate through your life. So today, I want to say to you, what do you believe in God for in 2018? Jesus is working. What are you going to do? Don't set resolutions that are centered around, let me improve myself. Set resolutions that center around what is God's call upon my life. I want to carry the fire of God. I want to be a person that operates in the plan of God for my life. I want to be a person that seeks first the kingdom of God, whatever my circumstance. Now, if you're sick, please see a doctor. If you're struggling, please keep on your medications. But don't give all of your attention to only getting healed. Keep the plan and purpose of God for your life in full view. Whenever you have strength, pray. 
I remember going to visit Daisy Ann, passed away this year to, into the presence of God. But Daisy Ann, 98 years of old, 97, she would have been 98 in a couple of weeks. She, was, she couldn't leave her house. So what did she do? She prayed. Every single day you go into her house, she's prayed. She sought God. You, you sense the presence of God when you walk into her house. If you feel too sick or too weighed down, pray. But when you've got strength, do the work of God. And those of you who are healthy, start a sow seed today. Start a sow seed today that puts the kingdom of God right at the core of the plan for your life. Invest in worship. Invest in the purpose of God and work for your life. Invest in the relationships that God has for you because 2018 is going to be a year of breakthrough. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise.